Well, life is a journey, isn't it? Sometimes it's a little bit harder than others. I just want to say good morning to you all. Uh, if you don't know who I am, I'm Dave Filoni. I'm the senior associate pastor here at River Oak, and it's my privilege to be able to preach this morning while Heath is gone for the weekend. Um, but I do want to promo Heath's next sermon series. Uh, next week, Pastor Heath will start his series, Unshakable, uh, that we've been talking about, about the foundation for the family, foundation uh, for the home. And I don't know about you, but I'm really excited about this series, partly because I've been able to talk to him about it. I know a little bit about, about what's on his heart. Um, there's something in it for everyone. Um, whether you have, you know, your parents of, of little kids or you've got um, grown kids that are out of the house or maybe you're a single mom or maybe you're just single. Um, and in your singleness, you're struggling to figure out, Lord, what do you have for me? Um, how does that work? Pastor Heath has kind of got, got the grip on that, and this sermon series is going to address all of those different issues um, as he goes forward. So I'm excited about it. That starts next week, Unshakable. Uh, but my job this week is to try to kind of bridge the gap uh, between Pastor Heath's sermon series last week, where he finished up on the seven sayings of Jesus, focusing on the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross, paying the penalty for our sins so that we can have eternal life and peace with God, to this next series where we're going to be focused on the practical aspects, the foundations of how we're to live out our lives and what it is that we're supposed to do. And there's one word that always comes back to me when I think about bridging the gap between being thankful for what God's done and responding in obedience to him and living out the Christian life, and that's choice, choices, crisis of decision. Whenever I think about choices, I actually immediately think of my middle daughter, perhaps because about four years ago, she gave a speech um, on her graduation from high school where it was entitled, uh, Life is All About Choices. And it really comes from my father who's said that over and over and over to my, to my kids. And life is all about choices, kids. She spoke on that. And, and this week, Hannah graduates from college. We're headed in a couple of days out to Ohio to watch her graduate. Let me show you this picture of her. We're really proud of her. Uh, so I just thought I'd take advantage of, you know, to say, hey, she's graduating from college and, and put her up on the screen. She's in the middle there. Um, that's at her senior night. Um, she was a, the captain of the soccer team at Cedarville University, um, her junior and senior years. And that's my younger daughter on the left and my wife. And we're really proud of her. Um, it's hard to believe that that girl and the young woman that she's become and the way that she follows after God came from this little girl. Show me the next picture. There you go. <laughs> that is the first team that Hannah ever played for um, back when she was in kindergarten and fifth grade. And you might say to yourself, well, somebody like that, no wonder they ended up you know, being so committed to soccer and everything else. Well, there's a lot of decisions and choices that get made from there uh, that get you to that next level. Um, I remember about six months after this photo was taken, we'd moved from Kentucky uh, back to Charlotte. We were in Charlottesville, Virginia at the time. And so we took her out to play, uh, Hannah out to play in a little rec soccer league, uh, thinking that this was a great experience. Well, Apparently not. She was the worst one on the team. They, the coach used to tell his son, who was kind of a, uh, a midfielder, he used to say, kick the ball off of her into the net. They'd try to stand her up front so that she could have a goal like everybody else. So she didn't really enjoy it. And um, I was taking my older kid to practice. I had hand in the car. And the whole way there, she was crying. Dad, I don't want to play soccer. I don't want to go. I hate soccer. I mean, just bawling and sobbing. And we got there, and I, I kind of convinced her. I said, Hannah, listen, will you just give me one time? Just, just go for one, see how you like it. And if it, if it works out, then uh, you know, maybe we'll play. But if it doesn't, it's okay. We'll reevaluate, and we'll, we'll think through it. 
Here's the thing. She gets there, and there's a guy there. He's a Navy commander, Commander Bill. Don't even remember his first name, Commander Bill. And Commander Bill, the guy knew nothing about soccer, believe me. Um, Not technically, not tactically, he knew nothing. But he knew something about the heart of a kid. And he played this game with the kids called, uh, I'll never forget it, he called Robin Hood. And they had cones set up on the field, and they dribbled through the cones um, with the ball, and they kicked, then they shot arrows at the bad guys, which were the cones on the other end. They were kicking the balls that go at the cones. If you know my daughter, Hannah, you know she's creative, and her imagination is always very wide open. And she came back to the car with a big smile on her face and said, Dad, can I play next week too? Little decision. Now, I don't know. Looking back, did I make it the right call? Did I do it right? I know a lot of different parents, but I've done it a lot of different ways, and that's really not kind of my, my point today. But that one little small decision, that one little small choice in that moment set the course in many, in many ways for the next 10 to 12 years of her life to the point where she's the assistant coach over at Oscar Smith now. So you kind of look at these things and you say, man, that, that one little thing had, a, had, an impl- had, had, had lasting implications. Not only that, there are a lot of hard choices along the way, and that's what I want to talk to you a little bit about today. You know, um, when you're playing youth sports, or you get involved in educational opportunities for your kids, or you get involved in these things, there's a lot of choices you've got to make about balance between your walk with Christ and just kind of getting wrapped up in all of that stuff that goes with it. And I don't know that we always got it right. But I'm thankful that Hannah's graduating. She's going to take a job with a church in Ohio for the next two years, been working with their middle school. She's getting her master's in theology. And she seems to have grabbed onto the concept that what we're characterized by is is what really matters. When there's a one o'clock game in Richmond, we're going to church in the morning and we're going to leave at three o'clock and not hang out with everybody because we're going to be back for youth group that night. Not a legalistic way of you got to be at everything all the time. And, you know, I'm not sure that we always got it right. But what are we characterized by? The choices that we make. And that's what I want to talk to you a little bit about today. That's the key challenge. I don't know what you, for you, for, but for all of us. We get so distracted in this world with the things of this world, so distracted with kind of living the middle-class American dream that we forget to keep our eyes on Jesus Christ. We've got to lay aside the sin and the things which so easily distract us, as it says in Hebrews chapter 12, look under Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, and then move forward for him. I'd like to take a look today at one of my favorite characters in scripture. His name is Moses. And um, I was joking with somebody earlier. I said, I'm going to preach on Moses and we're never going to open the Old Testament today, even though most of this comes from Exodus chapter 1. We're going to look at Hebrews chapter 11, verses 24 to 26. Hebrews 11, 24 to 26. The title of my message is Choices. Will you stand with me as we read the text together? Let's stand together and read Hebrews chapter 11, verses 24 through 26. It says this. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, by the way, that's about 40 years old, we'll get to that later, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ. That means he considered the reproach of Christ greater than the riches and treasures of Egypt, for he looked to the reward. Will you pray with me? Father God, I pray this morning that each and every one of us would focus in on this passage of Scripture and that your Holy Spirit would have freedom in this place. Because, Lord, I know in my heart I need often to figure out balance and priority and make decisions that are focused on following after you. And so I know all of us here today face 
these challenges regularly. So Lord, I just pray that Jesus would be glorified this morning, that the hope that we have in Christ and following after him and the abundant joy that can be ours would be evident through these words, and we ask this in your name. Amen. So life is all about choices, right? That's what my dad told me, or told, told my girls. And I see here Moses making choices, right? It says that he refused the privileges of Egypt, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, and he chose to be associated with the people of God, considering that the reproach of Christ would be much greater than any rewards that Egypt had to offer. Pastor Heath has preached many, many times from Luke chapter 9, verse 27, where it says, if you'll follow me, Jesus speaking, you'll have to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. You see, there's a putting off and a putting on to the Christian walk. Um, It's not enough that we just kind of decide occasionally to show up for some spiritual encouragement or fulfillment. When we become followers of Christ and there's genuine heart change, then it changes the way that we make decisions and it changes our lives. And we want to look at Moses as an example. I told you I wasn't going to go to the Old Testament. We're going to go to Acts chapter 7 to get a little background on Moses. One of the early church leaders, Stephen, was preaching a sermon. He was later martyred for the cause of Christ. But as he's preaching, he shares about Moses in Acts chapter 7. In Acts chapter 7, verse 20, it says this. At this time, Moses was born. Now, before I go any further, the reason that it's relevant, the time that Moses was born, and you can read this in Exodus chapter 1 and 2, you can read this also a little bit earlier in Acts 7, was because Pharaoh had decided that the nation of Israel was becoming too large, they were multiplying too greatly, and so he had ordered the midwives to kill all of the baby boys that were born. Now, the reason that we, Moses lives is that some of the midwives disobeyed that order and were able to come up with excuses to let some of the Hebrew boys live. But it says, at this time, Moses was born and was well-pleasing to God. And he was brought up in his father's house for three months. But when he was set out, Moses' daughter took him away and brought him up as her own son. For those of you that don't recall the story, Moses' mother um, hid Moses in a basket down by the river um, in order to save his life. Who happens along in the sovereign plan of the the Almighty and the sovereign plan of God? But the princess of Egypt, Pharaoh's daughter. She takes a liking to the baby and takes him home. And this is what happens next. And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and deeds. Now when he was 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them suffer, he defended and avenged him who was oppressed and struck down the Egyptian. For he supposed that his brethren would have understood that God would deliver them by his hand, but they did not understand. We're going to talk about this a little bit later, but what that means is he thought, hey, I'm the prince of Egypt. I'm going to save my people. I'm going to go in. And what's it say there is they didn't really understand. Not only did they not understand, they said, dude, you're flawed. Why would we follow you? Read what it says next. It says, and the next day he appeared to two of them as they were fighting and tried to reconcile them saying, men, you are brethren. Why do you wrong one another? But he who did his neighbor wrong pushed him away, saying, who made you ruler and judge over us? This is the guy who was the prince of Egypt and learned um, in all of the wisdom of Egypt. Um, It's even, we indicated in Exodus that the throne may have been his next. He had it all. And they're going, who are you? You're flawed. 
Do you want to kill me as you did the Egyptian yesterday? Then it's this saying, Moses fled and became a dweller in the land of Midian where he had two sons. A couple observations from this. Number one, Moses is about 40 years old. Now I know that almost all of us between the age of maybe 25 or 30 and 65, 70 have a couple decisions to make in our lives. Really long before that and long after that as well. And we come to these decision points, these crises of decision. And at about 40 here, which makes sense, Moses says, I'm going to go down with my people and not follow after the privileges of Egypt. So it's interesting. The other thing I notice here is that he was raised as the grandson of the Pharaoh. He had access to the throne itself. Listen, this guy wasn't just living the middle-class American dream. He had it all. Uh, he had the right family. Uh, he had the right, enough money. He had the right education. But he turned his back on all of it. Verse 24 says that he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. It's really difficult to walk away from that prestige and that influence. But he did. Because Moses did not consider his position of worldly influence equal to the call of God on his life. So many of us are striving after what I'll just call today the, the middle class American dream. And I'm not saying, as I walk through this, that we shouldn't look out for the interests of our kids, that we don't want to have a, a, a nice place for them to live and a good home. I'm not saying that we shouldn't uh, you know, ever uh, accumulate things. We live in a performance-oriented society, so don't hear what I'm not saying. We, we need to strive and do what's right, but we also need to sometimes realize that if we're ever going to do anything of eternal value, if we're ever going to make any real difference for the kingdom of God, then we may have to make the very same choices that Moses made. In fact, we need to make those choices and put God first, no matter what it means. That doesn't mean necessarily we're going to walk away from a job. It doesn't mean we're going to walk away from um, the blessings that that God has given to us, but it does mean that we don't seek only after privilege and pleasure and position, but we seek after God. Choice. Tying together what Jesus did for us on the cross with how we're going to build our homes and build our lives in a way that's faithful and follows after Jesus. You know, we can easily stray. I, have you ever been there? I know I have. The soccer thing's an example of it. Just times where we get kind of wrapped up in what's going on and we sometimes forget what our, an, an eternal perspective. Home in a good neighborhood, best schools for our kids, the right AAU travel team, uh, the, you know, the right dance club, uh, enough money, a nice vehicle, the ability to take great vacations, position of influence in the community. You can almost hear the whispers in Egypt saying to Moses, but Moses... You can use your throne to help your people. But we've got to be careful because the ends don't always justify the means. And sometimes God has a different plan and Moses recognized that plan here. Let me remind you how God works. If you're here on New Year's Day, the opportunity to preach uh, through this passage from 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7. But let me read this one verse to you. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. In other words, we have the treasure, we have the good news of Jesus Christ in our broken vessels so as to show that the power is God's and not ours. Paul's teaching here that God's way is to use ordinary clay pots made of baked dirt, really cheap materials, breakable, replaceable, essentially valueless, because these nondescript jars don't distract from the glory which is the power of God. And the treasure that's found in them. Here's the irony, right? Moses was the prince of Egypt. 
And the people wouldn't even follow him because they saw that he was flawed initially anyway. You need a period of preparation. And that thing lasts 40 years. He's out in Midian. Place where he hung out with the shrubs and the sheep and that's about it. All right? I mean, he, he got married and had two kids, but it was, it was a long 40 years out there as, as a shepherd in Midian in that period of preparation. Listen, it doesn't matter how talented we are, how much you know. It doesn't matter who you know. It's about honoring God and your willingness to be used and being used in God's way and in God's timetable. There in verse 24, it says that Moses cut himself off from the prestige of the throne and a promising career to follow after God. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not saying everybody needs to stop doing what they're doing or that you don't need opportunities um, for your kids or do those kind of things, but Jesus first. You know, in today's world, there's a lot of people think about branding and image. You guys watching the NBA playoffs, I mean, half the players don't care if they win. Win, they just care about their brand, right? My brand needs to be forwarded. Um, We worry about that in our life, and I worry sometimes, even in our churches, about brand and about image and about ministry, and, and, and all of us are kind of about the image and the way we look, and when our young people say, I need to, I need to develop a platform, I need to succeed in life so that God can use me to reach lots of people. Well, he often does that. He often uses people's platforms. But the fact of the matter is that doesn't come first. Following Jesus comes first, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then all these things will be added unto you. We seek him first. God needs humble people that are willing to do his bidding in his way, in his time, and willing to set aside some of the privileges of this life. His purpose is first. Some of you are saying, that's not a problem for me. I don't know. I, I ain't got much. You know, I... Never been a problem. I've, I've got no influence. I'm not a big influencer in the community. I, I don't have that. Well, here's the thing. The Dalai Lama once said this, and I actually think it's true, so I thought I'd share it, even though it's you know, not very biblical. But Dalai Lama said, if you think you're too small to make a difference, try sleeping with a mosquito. You guys ever had a mosquito in your bedroom? I mean, there's nothing worse than that one little bug that can have such a huge huge impact on our lives. Try sleeping with a mosquito. I, I was in the army, while well, you guys know, and back years ago, I was in training in Panama. And some of you have heard this story. I know I shared at a men's retreat, maybe somewhere else as well, but not in church as a whole. And I was um, uh, doing some training, and we were in the jungle. We'd been in the jungle for uh, two or three nights, if I recall right. It was about two in the morning, and we needed to stop and sleep um, for a little bit, for a couple hours before we moved forward. And so, uh, I laid down, and before I went to sleep, because we were going to get up at maybe four, um, I decided I need to eat something. So you know, meals ready to eat, MREs, some of you guys know what I'm talking about. Uh, there's a crackers in the old MRE, and I t- decided I'd eat a couple crackers. So I ate a couple crackers, and I went to sleep. About 30, 40 minutes later, I woke up in pain, let me tell you. Intense pricking and sticking. It was like someone was taking a needle and was sticking it all over my body. And I'm just like, what is going on? So I'm trying to, to, to see, but we're in blackout. So I'm not allowed to, you know, I can't turn on the lights. And so I can't see anything. I'm trying to wipe off whatever it is. I have no idea. It's just hurting. Um, finally, I go to red light and I turn a red light on. I'm looking. I'm like, oh, I can't, there's nothing. I don't see it. Finally, I'd had enough, right? I'm going to fl- flash on the white light. And I flash on the white light. And what did I see? Anybody know? thousands of red ants, thousands of red ants. Now, here's the thing. I, I was months before I got them all out of my stuff. Here, here's, here's the thing. First lesson, don't eat crackers in the jungle and sleep on top of them, all right? Um, not that that's going to be very applicable today, but there's another lesson, which is something little can have a huge impact, particularly when they stick together. 
And I think Moses saw that, which brings me to my second point from um, verse 25. It says, Moses chose the people of God over the pleasures of sin. When you see there in verse 25, he chose the people of God. First he refuses, and now we kind of get the putting off and putting on in the second one. Choosing the people of God over the pleasures of sin. I was reminded this week of a story. In 1519, there's a guy named Cortez. Uh, he's an explorer from Spain. So you go, I remember that from fourth grade. Um, so you say, I have no idea what you're talking about. It doesn't matter, okay? This guy lived in 1519. This guy named Cortez. And Cortez, um, this was the third expedition from Spain into Mexico, Veracruz, Mexico. And they were going to try to uh, go in there and take over um, from the Aztec Empire. And the first two expeditions were uh, wildly unsuccessful. So Cortez goes in. And when he goes, he takes 600 men with him. And he's able to defeat Montezuma and the Aztec Empire with just 600 guys, vastly outnumbered. And one of the things he did when he got there was they unloaded all their goods and then they had 11 ships that they'd come from Spain on. And he told the men to burn all 11 ships. They completely burned their ships. He wanted no way for them to rethink this decision and escape. He wanted them simply to move forward and be able to focus on what they had to do. When we talk about the pleasures of sin here that Moses rejected, sometimes we need to do just that. There's some people we need to not be around. There's some decisions that we need to make. Um, there's some sin in our lives that's got to be put aside if we're ever going to be all that God wants us to be as we follow him. Sometimes it's going to take burning the ships. Sometimes it's just a distraction in our lives that keeps us from doing what God's asked us to do, keeps us from being obedient. Sometimes we've got to make some decisions to burn the ships. And the thing about this one here is it says that he chose the people of God chose to be associated with them. I think one of the keys to overcoming sin in our lives, one of the keys to overcoming distraction in our lives is spending time around God's people. Spiritual fulfillment is one of the reasons that we all show up on a Sunday morning, right? We want a certain amount of encouragement. We want a certain amount of spiritual fulfillment. But the truth of the matter is just showing up for an hour here and there once a month is not going to meet the need for us to be able to overcome sin in our lives or distraction in our lives and follow after God. We've got to really be associated with the people of God. I was reminded so much of this just three days ago. I, I heard that one of my good friends from high school had passed away over the weekend on Saturday, I believe. And I may be headed up to Connecticut to the funeral. We had a small high school, Christian school class that I was in. There were only eight guys in the whole class. And so this is one of them. Four of them are pastors. But this guy, man, he was a pastor. He had it all. So associate pastor, Christian school administrator, awesome family, had come out of the family that my youth pastor growing up, I mean, that was his dad, just a great guy. And then somewhere along the way, about six, seven years ago, he made some bad choices. He allowed himself to become isolated from other individuals. Oh, sure, he was in church. In fact, he was a pastor, a Christian school guy, but he allowed himself to not have real, authentic, transparent relationships, and he started to make bad choices. And the unfortunate thing is those choices landed him in jail two years ago. And he's been in jail ever since. And then he passed. And that's an extreme example. And I, I know there's hope in his situation because I knew, know he knew Christ and I know his family. But here's the thing. Those decisions can lead us down a road and it, they become very subtle. They're very early on. And we've got to burn the ships. We've got to stay away from those kind of things and turn to Christ 
Repent and turn to him. It's going to be a, a difficult funeral in a lot of respects because he never got out of jail to kind of have that final recon, reconciliation with his family after some of the things that, that happened. Two aspects of Moses' choice. He rejected sin, and then the thing that really impresses me is that even though it meant poor treatment, even though it meant a hit to his social status, he chose to be associated with the people of God. There's an old African proverb. It says, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Sometimes we get off on our own route, doing our own thing, thinking that that's going to get us what we need to do. And, and sometimes you can get things done very quickly, but unfortunately, the long haul Longevity in, the, in our spiritual lives, longevity um, in any uh, as, aspect of what we do in our lives, it's so much better when we do it together. So stay connected to God's people. You know, as we transition from what Heath was preaching to this practical, as, practical side of our Christianity, stay connected to God's people. We've got to have a teachable spirit in our church. We, we've got to be involved in life groups, real authentic relationships that actually make a difference. Moses considered also in verse 26 the reproach of Christ greater than the prizes or the, the treasures that Egypt had to offer. That word consider there, it means to weigh in the balance. Mo, mo, weigh in the balance. Moses actually weighed out. Um, the identifying with Christ, even if it meant reproach, as greater than the, all the treasures of Egypt. And if you know about Egypt in that time, the time of the pharaohs, man, they had unbelievable, a staggering amount of wealth. And he had access to all of it, but he rejected that for the cause of Jesus. It's interesting there, this, he's an Old Testament figure, but it talks about for the reproach of Christ. Why Jesus? The Messiah to come. God's people that were pointing the way to the Messiah, to Jesus. He thought that the reproach of Christ was much greater. You know, Satan always wants us to uh, doubt God's power, his resources, his blessing. My kids like to call it FOMO. You guys know what I mean? FOMO, fear of missing out. Um, we have this in our, in our world today. We got this, this FOMO, fear of missing out. I won't have the best. I won't get the best promotion if I don't tell the truth or if I, t if, if I tell the truth. Um, I won't, uh, my kids won't have every opportunity that they possibly need. Listen, be good parents. We want to provide for our kids. But at the same time, you know, don't be afraid of missing out sometimes if it means that you're not going to be walking out your life um, to be spiritually mature and in favor of what God would want you to do. God's pleased with us and will ultimately reward us for identifying with his son rather than seeking the things of this world. Look at what it says, what motivated Moses, the end of verse 26. What motivated Moses was he looked to the reward. He lived in light of eternity, not this earth. He lived in light of eternity. Hey, Moses never had much the rest of his life. If you think about it, um, he's the prince of Egypt one day. A few days later, he's off to Midian running away. And for the next 40 years, he's hanging out as a shepherd and sheep. And then after those 40 years, God calls him back in a burning bush. And he comes in to, to rescue and lead the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt. But what's the first thing that happens? He faces ridicule. He faces criticism. And he faces opposition from all the people that he'd grown up with in Pharaoh's household. Then after he gets done with that, he leads the people out when God finally, uh, through the 10 plagues, is able to get the Israelites released and he gets out there and what happens next? The people of Israel complain and he spends the next 40 years eating uh, quail and manna and wandering around in the wilderness with people that are bitter and complaining. Man, 
That was what God had for him. But he knew that that level of commitment was what God's plan was for him if he was going to associate with God's people and do what was right and follow after Jesus. Listen, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that God necessarily wants to make us all poor. I'm not saying that God has some, uh, doesn't have a plan and a purpose for where you're at and the vocation that you're in and, where, and what it is that he's called you to be around and do and the gifting that he's given to you. He's given some of you the ability to, to have a great mercy gift, to be great doctors and nurses. He's given some of you great analytical minds uh, to be architects and, 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 and lawyers or teachers. He's given some of you the ability to, to just to work hard and, and know how to build things with your hands. My I was so proud when I could just do one little thing on my car the other day. Um, some of you guys, I mean, it's the most incredible thing, those of you that can make a car run. Um, I just, it's unbelievable. God will use all of those talents and abilities. He might have given you the ability to, to throw a ball. But it doesn't mean that when your kid's two and a half years old, he has to be playing baseball because he won't make the major leagues. He's not going to anyway. All right? Sorry. <laughs> I want to break that to you. Um, he might. He might. We've had lots of people in this area do it. But let's stay focused on Christ. Let's stay focused on what he's got for us. And he'll, those steps will come along if that's definitely in his plan. Because you'll see the gifting and the plan and what he's got for you. We must live in light of eternity. John chapter 2 verses 15 to 17 says this. Do not love the world or the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away in the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. Man, and no matter what we have to face, 2 Corinthians 4 says that we are afflicted on every side. See, even if we face that reproach, we're afflicted on every way, but not crushed right? We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. If we know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are invincible because we serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We serve the creator God of the universe. We serve the sovereign God who has all things in his hand. He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He has all things in his, under his sight and in his presence. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, it tells us in Psalms. He can his resources are vast and they're unlimited and he will help us through whatever situation we're facing if we stay according to his plan. But it might mean that we wander in the wilderness if we choose God's way and not the ways of this earth. I, when we get our eyes off ourselves and onto what God wants us to accomplish, great things can happen, particularly when we band together passionately. I was reminded this week, I was, um, Taylor Grissom, some of you know Taylor, he's down in Haiti and he's looking at some of the building projects and the schools uh, that are being built down there. Lots, many, many of you have sacrificed dollars, time, energy, efforts to get alongside that effort to help these poverty-stricken folks and families who have very little and have made a real difference in their lives, not only in their physical lives, but also in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ there in Haiti. But it reminds me of what can happen when a band of people passionately say, this is worth it, not the treasures of this earth. I'll take my time. I'll take some of my treasure. I'll take some of my effort and I will go forward and I'll do this. And passionately, it can change the lives of some people who are greatly in need. 
And not only that, it can advance the kingdom of God. And not only that, but it can passionately move throughout a congregation where there's more and more people who get excited about that and maybe get excited about other efforts and other missions, uh, things that are going on. And then it can change an entire community. That's what we've seen through some of the efforts of some of you. And so I appreciate that because it shows us that when we follow after the treasures of this world, of God, the things that have eternal significance, then it makes an incredible difference. It's a great verse, and I'll put it up on the screen as we close today, where Moses' protege, Joshua, is talking. In Joshua chapter 24 and verse 15. And he says this in Joshua 24, 15. Choose you for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Listen, choosing is not just words. I've got that plaque on my wall in more than one place. But it's not having a plaque on your wall. And it's not just the words. And really, it's not just nominal obedience showing up every once in a while because you want to be encouraged. It's a 24-7 proposition. You've got to commit radically and completely in every small choice in your life. Say, I'm not going to let sexual immorality keep me away from following the Lord. I'm not going to let a lack of integrity in the workplace keep me away from the Lord. I'm not going to let gossip and bitterness keep me away from the Lord. I'm going to make these decisions and so that when I start come in here next week and I sit here and Pastor Heath is preaching and he's teaching me about what the fundamentals of my faith are, what the foundations are, I'm willing to make the choices that are necessary to follow after Christ. Some of the, for some of us, that might mean burning some ships. For others, it might mean re, realigning priorities. And for some, it might mean just simply associating with like-minded followers of Jesus Christ as our primary thing that we do. So that when the storms of life come, the difficult circumstances, we lose a loved one or, or we're faced with a job loss or whatever it is, we've got the people we can rely on, associate with the people of Christ and then take the gospel to our community and to the world, making disciples of all nations. Choose you this day who you will serve. As for me and my house and our church, we're gonna serve the Lord. I'm gonna read one last verse. But before I do, I'd like to ask you, if you would, to bow your heads and close your eyes. And just focus on this verse as I read it. We already heard from Joshua. Moses had trained him up. And he followed Christ. But I'm not so sure Joshua was quite as intentional as Moses has been. Because listen to these verses. Judges chapter 2, verses 7 to 10 says this. So the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord, which he had done for Israel. But another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord nor the work which he had done for Israel. Man, that's a little bit sobering. Think about it. Moses had been intentional and trained up Joshua and his generation followed Christ. But the generation after Joshua didn't do the same thing. We got to watch out because the next generation is looking at us to teach, train, mentor, 
and follow Jesus if we don't watch out within just one generation others will fall away 